Greetings and welcome to another episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. Today I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about a topic that is super near to my heart, which is reconciliation between races and the church. So I'm super excited to have my first guest on the podcast today. And so let's jump into this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. Today I have the privilege of having my first guest on the We Are Radicals podcast. He is a coach, a mentor, and a youth pastor here in Lee Summit, Missouri, and he has tremendous opportunities and area of ministry here in our city. But more personally, he is a father, a husband, and an ever-growing close friend for me, so I'm beyond excited to have my friend, Pastor Damian Cooper, here with me today on this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. Thanks for having me, Abram. I'm very excited to be here. It's an honor. I'm excited to just have a conversation with you today. Yeah. It's super exciting for me because I um, have known Damien for about two years, a little over two years. And so um, the first year that he was actually the youth pastor here at our church, um, we briefly knew each other, but I was transitioning out of my time here in Lee Summit and moving on to my um, time at Evangel for my college years. And so it was interesting. He was kind of coming in to our lives as the time that I was leaving Lee Summit and uh, moving to Springfield. So we really didn't have a deep relationship the first year of kind of our um, friendship and being acquaintances. But last summer, I was able to intern with you and the youth for the summer while I was back home, Mm -hmm. which was really cool because that was kind of the time when we really got to know each other and understand um who you who you were and you got to understand who i was but it was really cool to do that but i think this summer was really when we began to grow deeper in our friendship and um even though i wasn't with you as much since i was with you pretty much the whole summer last year but now we've had a little bit more time to grow in our relationship but it's really cool because you've been one of the people that i can go to and talk about and since we're kind of in the same line of work and our goals are kind of aligned as well yeah it's been really cool to have you in my life so i want to thank you for that um and it's been really cool to grow with you in this season um Mm -hmm. but just give us a brief um background of who you are right now what's kind of going on your family life kind of just give us a little bit of information about you yeah you know so i've been here about two years now it's been amazing god has been good uh, I have a wife, Krista. She's awesome, amazing, beautiful, uh, a little quiet, which actually calms me down a little bit. So actually, it's exciting about that. <laughs> we kind of work off really well with that. Uh, we have a 16-month-old daughter, Briella. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, just gorgeous baby, uh, beautiful eyes, just such a funny baby. Love connecting, love just having relationship, being her father. And respecting number two here in October. That's awesome. And so that's yeah. exciting. So Malia will be here. Uh, in October, so I'm a girl dad, as everyone says right now, you know. So, uh, it's been fun. So my goal is just to build a women's soccer team, just like that. And so, but you know, just being a youth pastor here at Grace Point, it's been good. You know, connecting with your father as as the lead pastor, uh, as well as Chris um, as our associate pastor. He's been an awesome tool for me, and you know, I've seen so much dynamic of ministry these last two years, and it's been been really cool just to be able to establish that work well within the youth ministry, but within the school system as well. Um, and so able to, like you said, coach and establish relationship with the players like that and with the coaches, as well as being a mentor and the AVID programs and stuff. So 
uh, it's been getting my feet wet, but just being having the that's heart awesome. of serving, you know, that's yeah. been, that's been the amazing part. That's awesome. So let's jump right into our conversation here today and share with us a little bit about how your upbringing um, shaped your outlook on who you were in this kind of hostile American society. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how your family, your experiences as a child, how that influenced you growing up in our society. Yeah. Um, so I actually grew up with a single mom. You know, I had men figure in my home, but there wasn't really like a dad that really stayed in the home. Uh, and so my mom was really the one that took the responsibility and the sacrifices for me and my little brother and sister, uh, the Keisha and Yvonne. And, you know, growing up, you know, I know I remember times that, you know, especially you hear the saying, you know, kids from the north side on the cross railroad tracks from Salina, Kansas, they weren't really going to be nobody. Um, you know, and so that community sense that, you know, everyone had each other's back. And that was really cool seeing that just because of the culture, even though there's a heavy minority in that African-American community. But I think the biggest thing we have to realize is that, you know, as I was growing up as a young man, as a black man, uh, as you would say, that, you know, I had so many different encounters of, as you would say, racism, as you would say, just, you know, downgrading, degrading. And so it was really hard to truly find your identity at first. You know, you had your mother yeah. in your corner telling you one thing, saying you be a strong black man and, you know, yeah. as well the community. But also you had someone else in the community telling you that you, you're a nobody and just another yeah. statistic. And so that was really one thing. I always had a battle. And so the more it became a performance mindset of just trying to figure out, OK, what who am I? And living through that, and as I continued to move forward in life, I got into my teenager years, I really bought in knowing that my black pride, you know, that's one thing that's as you grow up, especially in black yeah. culture, uh, you buy into that and you, yeah. you claim that, you know. And so, you know, I, I was a strong, firm believer as a young African-American man, I was going to be successful and I was going to be uh, a, a provider back in my community. And that's that's what it was all about. I had been that ever since I was a young kid. And so you know, having that weight on your shoulders, especially as even people thought being a professional soccer player, going out in the community and bringing everything back. Uh, it was really just a, a huge burden on my heart, just understanding that, you know, one person will view you one way and then that's what you fully believe. And then the next thing you know, it you'll go two yeah. hours and just go down the street and someone's saying, no, this is who I think you are, you know? Yeah. And so that society can beat you up. And it's, that's what's tough, especially being a youth pastor. I see that a lot today. Mm. Um, and so I think that's what's been encouraging. I had people in my life growing up that had a youth pastor, uh, Pastor Brandon Cheeks, uh, as well. You can say Pastor Fraser. Um, he, they helped me a lot, especially going through uh, my teenage years. And they were helping me claim myself, saying, you know what? Lived identity of Christ. And I found Christ when I was 12 years old. Uh, gave my life to Christ. Got baptized with my brother and sister back in October of 2008. And then, you know, God really shaped me and transformed me in that. And so just from that time frame, I, I lived a double life still. You know, I had this mm -hmm. soccer life that yeah. everyone knew me by. But I also was kind of hitting this identity in Christ thing, too, because I still was trying to figure that out. And so I was really trying to figure how all that worked out. And so, yeah. but, you know, going into college and everything, you know, still trying to find identity in soccer and trying to find identity in Christ. You know, it really took some time. But, you know, the biggest thing was it's hard as a, and I get emotional talking about it, Abram, because it's it's hard as a young child to to understand who you really are when there's so many labels placed on you at, yeah. at such a young age. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's the one thing that as believers, that's the one thing as people in society, you have to realize that, you know, a young child, five years old, 10 years old, and you place a label on them, they're going to believe that. 
Yeah. You know, that's what they're, that's who they know they are, yeah. you know, until they walk into that, they actually understand that process for themselves. Yeah. For themselves they say, okay, I am a criminal or I'm a gangster or I am a, you know, a good man or I'm a bad man. And that's because that's what someone's told the voices me. that they're hearing yeah. from people around them. The yeah. huge influences. And I think that's, you know, I had people in my corner a lot going around me having that influence in my life. So looking at that then where, um, or how did it, how did your view of yourself change then when you really began to know who Christ was in your life? Is there like a time that you can mm. look back on and say like you really experienced Christ and it sh- it sort of started to shift how you viewed yourself because you explained how you were growing up, how some of the influences were in your life and how that started mm-hmm. to affect how you viewed yourself. But was there a time when you really began to see who Christ was and how that impacted who you saw yourself was mm. there a time that you remember that yeah uh actually what was crazy i remember actually preaching my first message back in my high school career mm. and she probably still remember if she ever hears this podcast or anything like that uh it's kate martin's and she invited me to uh the city which was like a teen club back in salina but it was mm-hmm. like a youth program and yeah. she's like hey can, would you be able to share and speak at this and, you know and so i was like Sure, I don't know why you wanted me, but How I'll old do were it. You? <laughs> I was seventeen years 17. old. Seventeen years old, and I remember just sitting in the office at my home church and going through some stuff with Pastor Fraser. And you know, we're talking about actually, actually, we're gonna be preaching this sermon here in the next couple of weeks about the glow stick and uh, being a light for Jesus. And I remember preaching that. And after preaching, I had several pastors come up to me and saying, "You know, this is your calling." And I. He blew it off. I'm like, nah, that's not what I want to be and everything. Yeah. But it really, as I sat back and I got back home and everything and saying, you know what, maybe this is something that God is really calling me to. And it really changed my heart and saying, you know what, I want to live a life for Jesus. And that's something that's really real and really passionate. Mm-hmm. You know, from 12 to 17 years old, I was doing praise dancing. I was doing this. I was getting emotional. I was going, you know, to the point that, you know, I was all in. But it was that moment when I saw these young people when I was speaking to them that I can able to relate to them and connect with them. And tell them how good Jesus was, but also yeah. saying Jesus called us to be a light. You can be a light too. And how much light are you giving off and putting off of yourself? And so I really believe that was a moment, a monument moment, and especially again, uh, sophomore year in college, if I can. Uh, that was especially when I really shifted my identity from a soccer player to becoming a man of God that speaks God's and proclaim his word and his gospel. Uh, I remember in Haiti, uh, love just being there just serving and then I had the opportunity to share that exact same message and there's a guy named Samuel he was a orphan four years old in the streets by himself and then at the time when I was there serving he was 16 years old played the drums very gifted young man and after I got done preaching I was exhausted I was hot just sitting towards the back and all my teammates were sitting in front of me and he was sharing his testimony with us and he paused and he moved everyone out the way and he pointed right at me and said I believe God brings you all the way over here to tell you that you spoke to my heart. Not only you spoke to my heart, you're going to speak to many people's hearts. Yeah. And at that moment, I knew God called me to be an evangelist, to be a heart and be a pastor of that. And so I, that was really cool. And that was a, a moment I told my leaders that night in the balcony in Haiti. said, hey, I don't want to be known as a soccer player no more. I want to be known as a man of God that yeah. shares the gospel. And so that was the moment I really saw the change. And you understood like your identity yeah. was now being formed in something that was outside of yourself exactly because for those of you who may not know Damien Damien was a soccer player and a very good one and he had hopes of playing professionally after he yeah. left school um 
But those are things that you were doing in your own life. And you're crafting your image, you're crafting your identity around yourself. Mm -hmm. But what I think is so cool is when we understand, like, when we accept our identity in Christ. Exactly, yeah. Like, there's so much more that comes from outside of ourselves than we would be able to craft if we relied just on the things that we're able to do. Yeah. And something I think that is just so powerful that if believers would grasp on to mm. their identity in the kingdom yeah. is knowing that they're just a piece of that, a small piece, but their yeah, identity is found in the entirety of the kingdom. Yes. So when the kingdom grows, we're all growing we're all, and our, yeah, all, we're all good. benefiting that's good. from the growth of the kingdom. Mm. And so when we find our identity in Christ, yeah. we, when we glorify Christ, we ultimately are building ourselves and our fellow brothers and sisters up, which is so cool to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's awesome that like we can look back on moments because mm. I think that's so important Yeah, is that we have the time that we can look back and say, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that this was something that happened in my life that changed who I perceived myself to be. Yeah, I mean, when I look back at the Bible, I see God always encouraging them and telling the Israelites, hey, build a monument so that you can look back and remember what I've done. Come on. And I think that that's so important in our lives. But, that's, good. Um, that's good. So now I kind of want to transition into a segment talking now about, now that we know a little bit more about you, we will yeah. talk about how your race, how your life's upbringing, how all of these experiences now apply and are uh, influencing mm-hmm. you as a believer today. Yeah. So I want to ask, um, now that you understand what it's kind of like to be an adult in our society, mm-hmm. you've had experiences, um, you understand experiences more now that you've um, lived more of your life. Yeah. What is it like living in a culture where possibly two of the biggest identities, so you referenced growing up as a black man yeah. and now as a believer. Mm-hmm. So those are probably the two, two of the biggest identities that you face in your life or yeah. that you have in your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you deal with those identities when they speak conflicting messages about how you're to live? So what would that look like in your life? Yeah. And so this, let's just put it out here. Just to be honest, you know, I, you know, it's, I have a white grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm actually a quarter white in me. And yeah. so that right there itself, that, you know, and you look back in the times, especially in slavery and everything like that, there was also divisiveness between light skin and dark skin black people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so just understanding that as I as I grew up and as a as a young black man, and still I, I consider myself as a young black man, just doing my life and but you know, the biggest thing is that there's this like I was telling you earlier, a black pride thing. And yeah. how to really understand that, you know, buy into what the black pride means and black power and, you know, you know, black lives matter and all that. And like, I'm not nothing against that or nothing. And I'm for that and all that stuff. But really, it comes down to as as a believer, when you actually have a change of heart and yeah. you find out and you actually look at the model of Jesus himself. Yeah. You know, Jesus himself was persecuted. Jesus himself was made fun of. Jesus yeah. himself was politically, religiously going going crazy at, at this man that was perfect. And in God's eyes, that it was God himself in flesh. I think people fail to realize is that, you know, especially me having a white wife, that's, that could be tough too in, in today's society. Mm-hmm. I get I look down upon just from my own 
culture. Let's Damn, be honest. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, it's why why are you with them? You know what I mean? But really, yeah. it's about no God's called me to this woman. This woman's called and God's called her to me, and we're building a foundation that's for Christ and not yeah. for a specific culture or heritage. Yeah. You know, and my daughter, myself, and both my daughters are going to have even a harder decision because the fact is that it's not a decision making, but it's more of they are black and white. And so they got both things that, you know, people even are going to family, even yeah. your own family, you know what I mean? And so I think the biggest thing, Abram, as you know, you're getting at is that, yes, I identify myself as a black man. Yes, I you can make it obvious, you know yeah. what I mean? But really, it, I really like people call me as a man of God. You see me as a black man. Yeah. I, I don't like the term colorblind. Oh, I don't see color. Yeah. Well, I want you to see color. God made that's us just beautiful. Who we are. God yeah. made us different, and that's who we are. And yeah. I want everyone to be proud of that. No matter if you're black, blue, yellow, green, don't matter who you are and the color, what you look like, let's celebrate that. Yeah. And not only celebrate that, let's come together and serve one another. Because that's what Jesus came and done. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. You know, he came to serve. He came to love. And I think that was the biggest thing. A lot of people, especially I see on Facebook all the time, talking about the president, talking about community leaders, talking about all these different things. And we we don't see the the heart of God. And that's what the the bigger picture we put our place, our culture before the heart of God. And that's where we as society are failing at especially in the Western culture of America and the yeah. church. And and I believe as we continue to sit in a room privately, if we don't sit down and humble ourselves before God and saying, God, I have some things in my heart because it's easy to go and say, this person's racist, this person's racist. But the biggest thing is if you don't pray for that person to have the change of perspective and heart and heart change, then nothing's really going to happen. You can build as many walls as you want. You can build as many things you want around you. But that's going to cause limitation of building bridges between one and people. And that's what reconciliation is all about. Uh, And so I think what's encouraging for me, uh, especially between the conflicting messages, you know, if you saw a lot of movies, uh, there's different movies you can watch out there. The Hate You Give and, you know, uh, When They See Us, all those movies are coming out. And I'll sit there, even Detroit, and I'll sit there and watch that clip in those movies and I'm I'm angry. I'm mad, and yeah. that's that's pride in my heart. That's I know that's pride in my heart, but also I know that's that's hurt my culture. And so understanding this, I respect my culture. I love my culture, and I'm gonna claim that. But also the culture I claim is God's kingdom and His culture, yeah. and that's the one where everyone should claim. And especially if you accepted Jesus Christ and you are a savior, you're not claiming that. Then there's something in your heart you have to change. And so that's where the conflicting messages become one message, and that's Jesus Himself and only Jesus. And when do we get to that point? Yeah, and I think where you're leading towards is if we're going to get to reconciliation, you can't like say you have to deny one's culture. Exactly. You can't. Yeah. You to bring reconciliation, we have to embrace and love people where they're at. And to bring reconciliation, you can't deny. You can't just deny their culture. Yeah. Because when you deny their culture, you are denying who a lot of people are and who they yeah. see themselves. Yeah. But What's cool about if you don't deny their culture and you show them the culture of the kingdom, or if you mm. show them just Jesus, yeah. Jesus will meet them in that culture and will begin to change the negative things about their culture mm-hmm. in anybody's culture. Yeah, I mean, we don't just deny who we are or the experiences that have made us who we are. Yeah. But when we encounter Jesus, there's something that changes the negative things in our lives. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't cha- He doesn't have to change the things that are already good. Yeah. He doesn't have to remove those things because those things can end up being 
assets or vehicles mm. to minister the gospel yeah. further yeah. or to build the kingdom further. I Come mean, on. that's what I think we don't understand about reconciliation is that we have to either give up completely mm-hmm. some things or we have to like admit that we're wrong. Well, I think one thing too, reconciliation, people forget it's a process. Yeah. And you, when you For start, sure. people want to get the results right away. And if you do that, you're going to miss the whole preparation before the results. If you think yeah. about as an athlete, everyone wants to be the best athlete, LeBron James, all that, you know what I mean? But really, if you look at him, he spends countless hours on his body, spending money on it, you know, on his body, all these different things that he knows he has to, to prepare, resource yeah. to prepare for the things he wants to do to win championships, to be the best player on the planet, as they everyone says, um, or other people say Michael Jordan, you know. But I think the biggest thing is we will have that conversation. I know we will have that <laughs> conversation in this, but I think the biggest thing, bro, is and this is where I get a very emotional because you know I I traveled and i've been flown in to talk about these kind of you know messages and topics and i will go in there to a room when it's all white people and i told them i said if you want to be able to connect listen first listen and try to understand you're not going to completely understand what i've been through and you're not going to feel what it looks like but i want you to listen and see for yourself because when you listen and see that then that's when recognition will happen and that's a good transition into our last official like segment here is I want to know like what are some things that members of the kingdom who aren't a minority um, what do they need to know or what do they need to do to bring reconciliation to fruition mm-hmm. in our fellowship today I mean that's really a really good point is just listening because I think we get so tied up in trying to like say what we think or mm-hmm. prove other people wrong that we don't take the time to just listen. Mm. And I, especially in issues like this where it can be really tense for people yeah. and it can be really intimidating to, for me to come up to a black person or anything like that and ask questions like this mm. because we're either scared of what they may say or we are scared that we may offend them. So what are some things that we can do as believers, mm. as people who are in the same kingdom? Yeah. What can we either know or what can we do to, to help bring reconciliation to fruition? You know, one thing, and I, I'm inspired uh, by two men, and I, I love them, especially you know, both white men. I, I love them. Uh, one is Rob Cup. He lives in Colorado. Uh, and the ministry that he was part of, he, you know, when I was there, uh, doing it and you know the experience and the the fact of being a student there uh, it was really cool to see his heart to really just come and just spend time with me yeah. you know a lot of times that you may want to get on Facebook you want to say things or you want to get in there and smile on the face and everything like that but really it takes time to sit down Jesus was so good at that Jesus he didn't rush his ministry he didn't and what was cool is the fact that he will be Speaking of crowds and in moments that someone may pull on his garment, anything like that, or he would just sit down with his disciples and have conversations. When's the last time, if I, if I ask somebody who's listening to this, when's the last time you had a conversation that was the opposite race of you, opposite gender of you, that had conflicting views? Yeah. Because if we're not challenging and placing ourselves in that, then that's what's hard. And so I, as especially as a person that's not a minority, if you want to say, uh, I very encourage you to really just to think about Am I willing to take a step at faith and be a risk taker? Because again, it's all, it, it takes risk. Because again, you don't want to be this person that everyone thinks like, why he's talking to him? Why is she talking to her? And because at the end of the day, 
you sit down with someone, especially with, like me, Levi Holland, uh, that works at Post Coffee here. I told him, I said, man, you're ministering to people here in this coffee shop because you don't realize you talking to me that you're teaching your brothers and sisters in Christ that may be in the white culture to say, you know what, it's not how I talk or how I do things to communicate with a black guy. You hear that all the time is, or I got to talk some way, I got to act some way to communicate with a black man yeah. or the same way, vice versa. But really, if you just have the genuality and saying, you know what, hey, can I get to know you? That's what leaves inspired. I think people need to realize what is your purpose and intentionality in conversations? Like my three values is this, that they know I love Jesus that they get challenged with the truth of the gospel, and then they leave inspired to go build God's kingdom. If you have those values and you know what you want to put into a conversation, that conversation will lead like that. And, and so, I th yeah, and I think what's really cool about that is that when you go up to a person and genuinely display that you're wanting to know them mm -hmm. or get to know them or yeah. hear them, just yeah. hear them and listen to what they have to say, I think our barriers tend to be broken down a little bit when they see you're genuinely just coming to them exactly. as yeah. a person, as a fellow believer, as a, yeah. simply as a human, and you just want to hear and to have a relationship with them, and you don't have any expectations of what you're wanting to either push on them mm -hmm. or set them up to say. When you have those kinds of interactions, I feel like that's when you have these conversations that leave yeah. people impressed that you love Jesus, that you just want to hear people. And that they ultimately go away better than when they came and like first sat down with you. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's huge because so many times we have these things that we're either we have to change who we are before mm -hmm. we go talk to people mm. or we have to act these certain ways mm. that you're like you're saying. And I think if we just were able to come to people mm. in relationship and yeah. come in humility without trying to expect anything but just trying to hear people and where they and what i love about this conversation is that it's really not tailored to any specific area yeah like if you yeah. come like it's not just about black and white relationship mm -hmm. this can be about people of any race exactly. trying to understand yeah. each other it can exactly. be people who have different political views as mm -hmm. you people who have different ideologies as you yeah and that's why i think reconciliation itself is so important because we as the church have become so isolated in mm. our in our culture mm. we've really done a like terrible job of staying in our culture yeah in our ways that we have the ability to speak into people because yeah. we've alienated ourselves yeah. we've tried to keep our values and hold on to our values so tightly that mm -hmm. we've alienated people who see differently than us yeah i think one thing too abram uh, you're hitting on the point uh, and what God is bringing to my heart and he's been bringing it to the last few years that I've been doing ministry is a culture and a heart of vulnerability. Yeah. Really, if we're able to sit down during the conversations, during conferences, during school district meetings and have vulnerability and actually listen to that vulnerability, then that's when healing happens. People don't want to be healed because they're okay with being opinionated and not only being opinionated because they want to be the God of their life and God of their values, yeah. right? And understanding, you know what? There's some things I need to work in my heart. There's some things I need to work in That's my right. life. And if you're able to get to that point and get to that humility place, then you'll start seeing the change in America. You start seeing the change in your community and start really seeing the change in this world. And so I think really what, you want, what it gets to point is that, you know, When's the last time you had a conversation that's vulnerable and transparent and real with someone? And if you go into that conversation saying, you know what? 
I'm mad at you. The things that you said on Facebook is not good and it's not pure and it's not holy. And but let me tell you something. Let me explain to you how I view things. Because if you see that cartoon that one sees a six, the other one sees a nine, we may see the same thing. We say see the same thing, but two different perspectives. And so when does it get you to don't point? get anywhere in those conversations? Nowhere in those yeah. conversations. And so it really comes down to the heart of God, because the root of sin is pride. And that's where we see a lot right now. It's just pride. Everyone has a lot of people has a prideful heart. But if you have the heart of God and saying, you know what? Love. And, I, I, and that's know, what Jesus did. That's what he did. Jesus man. had the ultimate authority. He could he should have had the most pride because he knows exactly what's right. Exactly. But every time he encountered people, most of them like he obviously had a lot of encounters with the people who were his followers, who followed him daily. But a lot of the times when he was ministering to people, he still was able to reach them in a very personal and vulnerable way, like yeah. you're talking about. And we see it with the woman caught in adultery or exactly. the woman at the well yeah. that he ministers to. Those are the people who had dramatically different lifestyles than him, Yeah, who he very easily could have said, you're doing this, 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 and this, which are all wrong. Completely. Yeah. But he still, while he always speaks truth, Jesus speaks truth in a way that somehow was able to like leave people in awe and leave mm. people wondering, like, who is this man who, yeah. as the woman in the well said, who is this man who told me everything I ever did? But she didn't go away like mm. most of the conversations we have today in America, being upset, being yeah. angry, being alienated from people. She went away speaking marvelous things about this man because yeah. of he still spoke truth to her, but in some way he was able to be radically different and still mm. show love to people who were completely different than him, and, which is yeah. crazy. And I think one thing too, as you're talking about um, – characters and people just in the bible uh paul was another person that i really just enjoy just reading about and understanding in his mindset philippians 2 is one of my biggest things i love and i preach out there a lot specifically to the youth because again there are next generation of leaders yeah. in this world um but he specifically talks about the imitation of christ likeness you know and i think when we actually buy into being christ-like when people say, oh, I'm Christ-like, but you post things on Facebook or you say things over here or you're on the sidewalk doing that. But really, if you're really Christ-like, then you have the interests of others. Yeah. Paul says that put down the interests of yourself and really consider the interests of others. And so that I, that's what you're talking about. Jesus had that. And when Jesus had that interest of others because he was able to have those conversations with those women they're talking about. And so I just want to encourage people that humble yourself because that whole thing is talking about humility. And if yeah. we and that this whole thing we talk about is really humility. And the fact that Jesus himself that came on this earth that was perfect, he, he had the best humility heart because he was perfect and became dirty for us. And he died for us. And he died for our sins. And for that, we don't have to be slaves to the sin and this this nastiness of what's going on in this world. But why cannot be slaves to the righteousness and the holiness yeah. that God has called us what Paul said in Romans? And so I think that's one thing too, is saying, you know what, am I living a life that's holy and pure to God and pleasing to God? that I offer myself, and Romans 12 says, I offer myself as living sacrifices. And do we not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed and renewing our mind? If everyone in this world, everyone in this community that are believers and took the time to renew their mind and refresh their mind to God, there'll be less tense, there'll be less racism comments, there'll be less all these arguments. Yeah. And what will happen is people will start seeing the true kingdom, which is God's kingdom in heaven. And yeah. that's I, wow. I, I get yeah. excited about that. And But that's where we're, that's what we're failing at. Because yeah. again, Christianity is, and this is something that I've been on my heart is, 
Are we like Nicodemus? Are we in the light Christian? Are we in the dark Christian? Nicodemus waited to the night to talk to Jesus because he didn't want his friends to know that yeah. he didn't want to get judged. But really, it doesn't matter at the point right now if you really love Jesus and you're really passionate about Jesus. Step up, be bold, but also proclaim and also not only proclaim, but also have those tough conversations because you have those tough conversations. Recognition will be made. And when recognition is made, then peace will be established in that and God's kingdom will flourish and build yeah. fruit from that. Amen. So kind of recap it all, I guess. Yeah. Um, one of the things I guess I took away from this conversation is that we have to have these conversations. Exactly. We have to yeah. have these tough conversations because if we don't have these tough conversations with people who come from different backgrounds, who may have different viewpoints as us, may have different experiences as us, we'll mm-hmm. never grow and we'll never become unified in Christ. Come on. And yeah. um, when we have those conversations, some of the things that you said is we have to be vulnerable. Yeah. We have to come to the conversation in humility and be able to listen and hear the experiences of others. Yeah. And to, I guess, sum it really back up is if we have these conversations, if we come in humility, come being vulnerable, come without agendas, and we put our identity in christ first if we put our identity in the fact that we are believers of christ we are Mm -hmm. part of his kingdom Mm -hmm. i feel like reconciliation has to follow if we are vulnerable or Mm. humble and we have our identity found in christ because christ ultimately is the reason we are all unified in the kingdom come on christ like came and his sacrifice and his love is ultimately Mm. what binds us all together because as we see like in the early church, like people of all different races, people everywhere were being saved. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just this thing that was exclusively for one group of people. Yeah. And why did it grow so rapidly? I think it was because they had this understanding mm. of we're all human. We're all like, as yeah. Paul says, we're all fallen and yeah. we fall short of the glory of so God. We are but yet, yeah. Christ unifies us all together. Yeah. And so I think some of the takeaways for me have just been we have to come and have the conversations we first have to have the conversations and when we go to the conversations we have to be humble Mm. we have to be vulnerable with people be willing to risk having these conversations and being vulnerable and then we ultimately if we have our we find our true identity in christ all of our other experiences all of our other pride all of our other ideologies tend to fall Mm -hmm. behind our identity in christ and we promote the work of the kingdom as our highest priority mm. and i think that's when we truly begin to see mm. change start to happen like you said what would happen if our communities our countries our whole world began to see the reconciliation that was happening within the church which yeah. would be awesome so yeah. man it's been great having you on the podcast today oh thank you and i really it's appreciate you having this conversation that's been really powerful and vulnerable with me so i appreciate that oh definitely thank you for having me yes of course fun well thanks for listening to this episode of the we are radicals podcast i hope you enjoyed damien and i's conversation today um if you enjoyed the podcast remember to leave a review and leave a rating that will help us continue to build a community of believers who are focused on showing the radical attributes of christ's love his grace and his peace so i hope you enjoyed today's podcast Wherever you're at, I hope the Lord continues to minister to your heart. And as always, peace.